Happy Sunday. We're so excited to have you guys with us this morning, especially for today. We are taking a break from our Christmas series, The Jesus of, well, last week was The Jesus of Christmas Past. Next week is The Jesus of Christmas Present. I really encourage you to come be a part of that. It's kind of a different take on what it means that Jesus came and is here with us. But today we're taking a break for our legacy offering, which this is our third time now doing our annual uh, legacy offering. We do it every December. Tis the season for giving. And so we're talking about it today, just our God of generosity. And we talk about giving throughout the year, but this is the one time that we really ask you to go to God and look at what it means to go above and beyond um, what you give to the tithe of the church and what he might be asking you to do, even if it's scary. Like Kyle said, this is our legacy card, and he handed it to me this morning. I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) okay. (laughs) And we've been talking and we've been praying about it, um, but we want to trust God and we want to step out in faith. So we're going to jump right in to the Bible. And you know, there's a lot of churches, if you grew up in a more liturgical church or a more traditional church, maybe um, they would read the text for the day and then someone would say, this is the word of the Lord. And I love that. But right now I'm going to say that first. This, what we're about to read, is the word of God. How exciting is that? You know how many people don't even have access to the word of God or how many people maybe have access to the word of God, but it's not in their language? There are millions of people who don't have access to the word of God. And here we are, we don't even need to bring our copy or one of our many copies of the word of God to church because it's gonna be posted up on the screen and someone's reading it to us, right? Like that's how privileged we are with the word of God. But we are gonna read the word of God that's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is living and active, says Hebrews 4, 12. And that's what we get to dig into today. Amen? How many of you are grateful for the word of God? We're going to be in Matthew 19 today, so if you do have your Bible with you or the app on your phone, turn with me, read with me. We're going to be starting off today by reading a big chunk of it. So Matthew chapter 19, we're going to start in verse 16. If you are here and you're either a new believer, you've given your life to the Lord just recently, or you do not have a copy of your Bible because of the generous giving of everyone who calls this place home, we've been able to purchase new believer Bibles that we have available as our gift to you if you are just starting this journey with the Lord or you do not have a Bible. So come see me or Pastor Kyle or go to the hub outside and make sure you get one of those Bibles if you do not have one. We want to make sure you have that. Matthew 19, 16. Someone came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus goes, why ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. And so he's throwing off some random thing. But Back to your question. He was like, just a minute, let me correct this side note. It's like Jesus correcting the there, there, and there, right? Or the it's and it's. Like He's like, hold on, side point. Let me just get something logistical out of the way. No one's good but God. So why are you calling me God? Do you think I'm God? Okay, well, we're not really get to that point. We're talking about something different. Back to your question, he says. To answer your question, 
if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. They knew the Ten Commandments. They had them memorized. They actually had like 300 and some different laws from the Old Testament memorized at that day. So the man's like, well, which ones? There's 300 something of them, right? Which ones are we supposed to keep? Jesus replied, well, don't murder. Okay, can we knock that one off the list? Let's not kill people. Can't commit adultery. You're not gonna steal. You can't testify falsely, so no lying. So he's given the, the basic ones, like the most obvious. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And he's like, well, good. I've obeyed all of these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? I've already got these. So what else? What am I missing? What can I do to follow you to get eternal life? And Jesus told him, well, if you really wanna be perfect, Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. We call this man the rich young ruler. He was sad because he had many possessions. He went away sad because even though he wanted to follow Jesus, even though he wanted eternal life, even though he had checked off all the other check marks, Jesus, for him, was able to pinpoint what was the hardest. And he put his finger right there in the heart. This is the one you're not willing to give. It's not about all the things. It's not about checking all the lists. But it might just be about that one thing that's hardest for you. And he pinpointed at him and he said, this guy was sad because he had many possessions. This was the one he wasn't willing to do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I can't even get thread through a needle. Really struggle bus on that one. Harder, or it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In America, we are in the top 1% of richness in the world. So all of you, you rich. All of you, harder or easier for a camel to get to heaven than you. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the example he's giving. So all the more reason We've got to figure this thing out. All the more reason, we've got to be open to the Holy Spirit pinpointing, yep, that's the thing. That's the thing that's hardest for you to give. Are you going to walk away sad because you had many possessions? Are you going to walk away sad because you can't get rid of that addiction? Are you going to walk away sad because you're not willing to let go of this toxic relationship or this toxic habit or this sin that's struggling you or this thing that you want more than anything or climbing the ladder? Whatever it is, are you going to walk away very sad or that's the thing he pinpointed. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? If it's easier for a camel to enter a needle than for all of us in this room to get into heaven, what in the world is even possible? How is this even a thing? Jesus looked at them intently. He was about to lay something down intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. Humanly speaking, it's impossible for all of us to get to heaven. That is the gospel, that is the truth. Humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. So what's this verse that we use all the time? With God, everything is possible. It's not about like winning the sports team game thing, whatever. It's not about pulling off the A plus on the test. I mean, maybe, but what this is really about is whatever's hardest for you standing in between you and your relationship with God Whatever seems impossible, whatever cannot be broken, whatever cannot be surrendered and submitted to the Lord, with God, it's possible. With God, that camel can get through the eye of a needle. 
in your life. Peter said to him, well, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Like, Peter, you're kind of missing the point, but okay, he rolls with it. He's gracious. He's used to Peter putting his foot in his mouth. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, when the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, we just sang that song, you who have been my followers will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake, everything, willing to give up even the closest, most intimate relationships for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who makes it alive in our hearts today. And I pray that everything that you, Holy Spirit, have to say to each and every one of us today would be made real, that we would have a true encounter with you. That even now, if we came in not expecting anything and just expected to check going to church off our list today, that now our level of expectation for what the Spirit wants to say to us would be increased that we would receive exactly the revelation of who you are and what you want to do in us today. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, who's heard of girl math? Anyone heard of girl math? It's like all over social media right now. Okay, so let me give you some examples of girl math, okay? Uh, it's when you're online shopping and then you go to check out and it's like, wait a minute, spend 50 more dollars and you get free shipping. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to buy 50 more things so I, or $50 more of something so I can save $10 on shipping. And you're like, oh my goodness, I just saved $10. No, you didn't. You spent 40 more dollars than you were already planning on. Right, that's girl math. Okay, something that doesn't actually make sense, but for some reason, it does. And let me just say, um, because when I asked ChatGPT to give me some good examples of girl math, it said, this is highly offensive and is a gender stereotype. And then every time it finally, I finally convinced it after three times to give me some actual examples. Then every time it gave me an example, just so you remember, this can be highly offensive. So in case anyone is highly offended by me talking about girl math, I would just like to say, Kyle uses girl math more than me, so it's not just gender specific. So <laughs> throw him under the bus just a little bit. Okay, so we both do, but in different ways. This next one, I definitely do. Okay, this next one. You work out for 30 minutes at the gym, but then you realize you forgot to track it as a workout on your watch. It never even happened. The calories were not burned. It was just normal. The workout didn't happen. That's girl math, okay? That's what it feels like. Or maybe you get a return. So you bought something, you had budgeted for like clothes. You buy the clothes. Kyle, I'm looking at you. You buy the clothes, you get a gift card as a return. Oh my goodness, free money. No, it was money that was in your budget for a specific thing, but now you got free money. So we're gonna, I can't complain about this one because what did he do? He used the gift card to buy me a Christmas present. Oh. Thank you. All right, so we throw them under the bus, but then we take them back and put them on top of the bus. Okay, so that's how it goes. That's girl math. It doesn't make sense. It's not actually accurate, but for some reason it just makes sense, right? Well, today is Legacy Sunday. It's a Christmas season. It's giving. There's lots of shopping. There's lots of justification and girl math that has gone on everywhere, right? We got all those Black Friday deals. We're signing up for subscriptions like crazy because all of a sudden they're 75% off. We wouldn't have spent that money anyway, but whatever. So we're going to be talking about this today because the world, we all, 
and this world and our culture have a greed problem. We have a consumerism problem. We have a consumption problem. We have a problem with this. We have a scarcity mindset. We feel like I am, it's this bag mentality he was talking about. Everything is like sand slipping through my fingers. I don't have enough. I need more. Oh my goodness, I cannot throw away the Walmart grocery bags because what if the dog poops on my carpet and I'm out of poop bags? This is a very real situation for me right in this moment. So I can't throw away the grocery bags because what am I gonna do if there's poop on my carpet that I have to clean up? Scarcity mindset, right? Not an, I have an abundance of supplies in order to pick up the dog poop. No. So we need to change our mindset, but we have this scarcity mindset. I'm not gonna have enough, so I gotta keep, 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 keep. I've gotta try to sell this thing on uh, Facebook Marketplace for 50 cents because otherwise it's a 50 cents I wouldn't have, right? And so we got this scarcity mindset that we have to struggle with. We've got attention and stewardship. This is something I struggle with. I worry that I'm not being wise enough, and so therefore I'm scared to be generous because I have this tension of I want to steward with wisdom, and I also want to give in faith. Which one? How do they work together? We struggle with this. Then we have the world out to get us with their marketing and their consumerism. They're all like, this, this ad comes up, and you don't even know it's an ad. It's like it's like a, it feels like a real life story or it's like a soldier coming home and they're falling into each other's eyes crying or like a little puppy dog is getting rescued or whatever. And it's just like, oh my goodness, what a heartwarming story. And then it's like Subaru, it's love or something like that. Oh, love is, a, what, what is their slogan? You guys know what I'm talking about, Subaru? Okay, whatever. I guess no one knows it. They're not that good at marketing then, I guess, because we're also wrapped up in the heartfelt moment of it. They grab your heartstrings and then they're like, you have to buy a Subaru now. Okay, so it's, it's just crazy. But what we want to talk about today is not girl math, but God math. We are going to talk about God math today because like girl math, it doesn't make sense. Unlike girl math, it works and it's real and it's proven because there are barriers to living Jesus' way of generosity and God math overcomes those barriers. So we're gonna talk about it today. First, we wanna flip over to Malachi chapter three. We're getting into the Old Testament this morning. Malachi chapter three. Malachi was an Old Testament prophet. He was raised up to the nation of Israel because he wanted, uh, God wanted to use him to help bring Israel out from underneath a curse. They were cursed. They're the chosen people of God, but they were under a curse. Why? Because they actually were not giving the first 10% of their income back to God into, into the temple. That's what was going on at the time. And so Malachi was raised up for this time to talk to them and listen to what he says. This shows God math at its finest. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, if you give 10% and live off 90 instead of 100, he's saying. If you do this, listen to God math. I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great. You won't even have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. He's like, if you go with the math where living off 90 means you have more than living off 100, then I'm gonna show you that it's like 125 million percent actually on top of it, right? He says, put me to the test. The only time in the Bible God says, put me to the test. So try me on this one. Come at me. See what I will do. See what I will do for you. I'm gonna unleash blessings like crazy. So, so many times we feel like, you know what, I don't have enough money. It doesn't work in my budget. The 10% just isn't there. Well, the 10% is the first 10. You've just given it away already, for one. But also, that means we're not trusting God math. And yeah, it doesn't make sense. The math does not math. 
it does not work out, right? But we trust a God of the supernatural. We believe he can heal people. We believe Jesus raised from the dead. But for some reason, we don't think his math works out right. We believe he created this earth out of nothing. We believe in like, just think about this. How babies are made and then come into this earth. That whole thing. Like when I'm pregnant, I'm like, I'm developing organs. And aside from my own organs, my body is making organs. I'm not doing anything. I'm just eating chocolate and sleeping a lot. And God's making a whole nother human with a soul. And we believe in that, but we don't believe that his math can work out for us. And I struggle with this too. Like I said, I'm like, well, I'm not being wise enough. But we believe all those amazing things that literally do not make sense, but we can't trust that his math works out. And whenever someone's like, I'm really struggling with money, I do this to my friends, like not even here, like friends back in Indiana, friends I grew up with, they're like, I'm really struggling. I'm struggling with my finances. It's not working out. Ends aren't meeting. I feel like I don't got nothing. And I make good income. Some of these people will be like, I make good income. I don't know where the money's going. My first question, have you been giving? Have you been tithing? Because God math works better than ours. And when we're living out of line with what he's told us to do, the rest of the things in our life aren't going to work out. Take money out of the picture. Is there something else in your life that's not submitted to him? Because he says, if you live this way, then you will have fullness of life. If you live this way, then I will pour out the blessings. Are we doing the if so that we can get the then? Are we doing what he's asked us to do so that we can receive the life that he has for us? 1 John 4, 19 says, we love each other because he first loved us. Today, if nothing else, I want you to leave here knowing we love because he first loved us. Love is an action. We give because he first gave his life. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave what? His son, the only one he had. To do what? To die. Jesus came and gave his life. We give because he gave. We make a difference because of the difference he's made in our lives. What difference has God made in your life? If you're here, there's something. There's something, big or small, whatever size. God's done something in your life that's made a difference. He wants to do more too. He wants to make even more of a difference. He wants to transform you from the inside out. But we, we make a difference in the lives of others. That's what legacy is about. We make a difference in the lives of others because he's made a difference in our lives. So number one today, write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, take notes and write this down. Question, ask yourself. Ask yourself through the rest of the service. Ask yourself for the rest of the week, for the rest of the year and into 2024. Ask yourself this question. Number one, is how I live going to make a different, an eternal difference? It's the way I'm living today, what I'm doing after church, what I'm doing for the rest of 2023, how I'm going to kick off 2024 and start that off, is how I live going to make an eternal difference. The definition of legacy is this. It's the long-lasting impact of particular events, actions, etc., that took place in the past or of a person's life, the long-lasting impact of a person's life. The rich young ruler, this young man in Matthew 19, when he came to Jesus, he basically asked this question, what can I do? How can I live? 
What choices do I make that gets me eternal life? Jesus says that stores up treasures in heaven, that gets that eternal legacy going. He basically asked this, and you know, Jesus gave him something that felt impossible. He pointed his finger right on the most impossible thing in his life, and he says, that's the one you do. To make the eternal difference, to leave a lasting legacy, that one that hurts the most. That one that you'd be tempted to turn away and walk away sad if God asked you to give it. You might say it sounds impossible. Well, so did the disciples. They're like, that's who in the world can do this then? It sounds impossible, but Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them intently and he's looking at you intently today. And he says, humanly speaking, it is. Whatever he's gonna ask you to surrender to him, to give financially, to give of your life, to submit to his lordship, whatever he's gonna ask you to do today is gonna feel impossible. And that's when Jesus looks intently and says, please don't turn away sad. Choose the hard one that comes with joy and fullness of life. It sounds impossible, but Jesus looked intently and said, with God, everything is possible. It's not just all things are possible, it's with God. So the question isn't, well, I slapped Christian onto my adjectives that I used to describe myself, so now everything's possible. It's, is my life with God? Am I walking hand in hand with God? Is everything in my life under submission to him? Am I with God? Are we on the same page? Are we on different pages? Are we on different books? Or am I with God, arm in arm, linked right up with him? Because with God, everything is possible. When everything's under submission to him, anything is possible. With God, you can live the impossible. And that's the title of my message today, Live the Impossible. And when we live the impossible, that's when we store up treasures in heaven. That's when we leave an eternal legacy. And that's what today is all about. That's why we do this every year is because we get to live the impossible. Number two, number two today, write this down. A happy life is the result of generosity. A happy life is the result of generosity. This is not just about to be some fun feel good, tickle my ears, pop psychology stuff about positive psychology, which is a science and it's accurate and it's true. It's scientifically proven. I'm not discrediting all of that, but this is how the Bible proves that science has figured, or how science has figured out that what God says is true. I always say and always will, science just proves the Bible is true and everything God has said is right. <laughs> That's how it works. And so we're going to hear that. There was a study, a sociological scientific study done by Smith and Davidson, and they said this in their findings. Those who give receive back in turn. Has anyone ever heard something by someone named like Jesus that says you reap what you sow? Or has anyone ever heard something by someone named like Jesus or something like that that is like... Um, given it will be given back to you. Anyone? Just talk about it. Anyway, so science found out those who give receive back in turn. I'm like, yeah, God said that 2,000 years ago, but whatever, that's fine. By spending ourselves for others' well-being, we enhance our own standing. What was that? It's more blessed to give than receive? Oh, okay. Yes, okay, that's Bible too. This is not only a philosophical or religious teaching, so it acknowledges this was a religious teaching. It's a sociological fact. People rightly say that money cannot buy happiness, but money and happiness are still related in a curious way. They're like curious, scientific study. Something's curious. They haven't quite figured it out. It's a little mysterious still. 
Related in a curious way, happiness can be the result not of spending more money on oneself, but rather giving money away to others. The data examined here shows this to be not simply a nice idea, but a social scientific fact. It's a social scientific fact. And what's interesting to me, the curious part, they're still related. Like money can't buy happiness. Yeah, we haven't found that in our research, but in a curious way, it's still related somehow. I'm telling you, the curious way is that God, it's God math. It doesn't make sense to us, but it's been proven by man's science that God math works and it has benefits. God math basically says this then, money given buys happiness. Money doesn't buy happiness, but money given away to others buys happiness. Acts 20, 35, Paul said, or I think it was Paul. He said this, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This word blessed is the same word that Jesus used when he was giving the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who, blessed are those who. That original word, this uh, verse could also be it's better to give. That original word for better or blessed, it is more blessed to give or it is better to give than to receive. That original word means happy. It is more happy. It brings more happiness, interchangeably used with the word joy all throughout the Bible. The original word for happiness, better, blessed, and joy, interchangeable. We get joy, we get happiness when we give, not when we receive. Money given can buy us happiness. We don't believe this, us, in this room. We struggle to actually believe this that it's more blessed to give than to receive, that it brings us more happiness to give than to receive, even though not just Jesus has said it, but science has backed up now what Jesus has said. So the benefits of living generously, happiness, joy, health, People are healthier. There's greater levels of health that coincide with people who are more generous, greater um, in People who give are more interested in personal growth. There's a decreased rate of depression. There's a sense of purpose in life. Cultivates a spirit of gratitude. It makes the world more just when we are generous. It blesses others. It puts money into its rightful place in our life so that we're not worshiping money. Not intentionally, maybe, but what we're not intentional with will still rule us. It expands the reach of the gospel and the good news and the growth of the church throughout the world. It frees our hearts from the desire for more. And this isn't about a number you give. It is what are you giving generously in proportion to who you are, what God's given you, and what God's called you to do. Think about what has God given you, and I'm not saying everyone in here should give $1 million today. That is not what I'm saying, because for some of you, not as big of a deal as for other of you, maybe. I don't know, is there anyone in here who it wouldn't be a big deal to give away a million dollars? I don't know about that. But you get what I'm saying, right? For some of you, 100 would be everything. It would be so much to give. For others of you, not a drop in the bucket. For some of you, $10 would be extremely hard to give. For others of you, not bad an eye. It's not about the number, it's about what has God given you and what is he asking you to do? And that's what gives your level of generosity because these findings, the scientific ones, if we're not gonna believe what Jesus said, maybe we'll believe the man science instead of the God math. The man science says regardless of your socioeconomic status, those who are generous receive these benefits. I was listening to a pastor talk about the practice of generosity, living like Jesus in that way. And he said this, giving is Jesus' anecdote to the disease of greed. Giving is Jesus' anecdote to the disease 
of greed. So as we take these ornament name tags for kids and give away, it cures a little bit of the consumerism greed comparison in our own heart. As we fill out a legacy card, regardless of the dollar amount or the cent amount or whatever, as we put this up today, as we give, as we fill out an offering envelope, it cures a little bit of the greed and the comparison and the consumerism that has been basically a contagion from the culture we live in, that we have been drenched in. When living in a countercultural way, this extreme seems impossible like it does. Remember this with God, you can live the impossible. With God, you can live the impossible. So enough of the inspirational stuff. At least that was inspirational to me. I was, I was not excited for this message, and I read through it last night, and I was pumped up. I was like, yes, let's get this. Okay, let me just tell you, this is the first time I'm telling Kyle. Like a week ago, he was like, Anna, let's pray. Maybe two weeks ago, Anna, let's pray and see if God gives us the same number. And I was like, oh. I just don't think God's going to give me a number on this one because I'm really struggling in that like, you know, we're doing the Dave Ramsey baby steps and just finally, after years and years this week, we have a fully funded emergency fund. Praise the Lord. We finally have an emergency fund. Years and years of either eating out way too much or having way too many car repairs or like dog grooming appointments or something like that where we just cannot get it in and we finally got that emergency. So what's baby step number four? Give 15% of your income to retirement investments. 15%? Like, yo, I'm already tithing 10. Then I give 15% to my future life. So that means I'm only living off of 75%. Now we have a legacy and I already know Kyle's gonna wanna do a percentage right? We do percentages in the Sadler home. I know he's going to want to, so I'm supposed to live off of less than 75 if I want to retire. Retire inspired is what he says. Anyway, and I do. And that's not even counting like saving things for kids, college and trade schools and whatever else they want to do one day. We haven't even gotten there. So I'm over here like balancing the wise steward situation with the given faith where my husband has the gift of giving and I have the gift of, I don't know, being like really type A, Maybe, I don't know, whatever that gift is. Well, we got to figure out how to give this way. So back to the point of what I was telling you for the first time. God, I think maybe did tell me the same percentage number as you. And I was like, I don't know about that. I'm going to like listen to what Kyle has to say first. And then maybe we jump on board. Then I was reading over this message last night. And Jesus looked at me intently and he was like, with God, it is possible. And I was like, oh. So Kyle, I agree with what you have written on the form officially, so we will be giving this. <sighs> we will be giving this. But I'm doing it out of faith that God's gonna open the floodgates of heaven in my life by answering, I would rather live obedient and obey what he said than risk, than risk. Maybe I didn't hear him right, but I disobeyed him. I would rather give and risk on that side. I would rather risk on giving more grace, giving more generously, living more generous of a life than risk disobeying him and what that has to be. Because if I give, he's gonna give back. He'll give us back. So how do we live this way? Number three, release what you cling to the most. Do you cling to your health the most? Is that what worries you the most? Is that what drives you the most crazy when you don't have control or answers? Is it the thing that you're addicted to, the sin struggle, the habits that you just cannot get over and you cannot figure a way how to stop white knuckling around it, 
or how to push through on your own strength and just release it and say, no. Jesus said, cast your cares before him. Why? Because he cares for you. Not because he wants you to do more or give up more or check more things off of a list or give you more commandments. Because he cares for you. Take on his burdens because it's light. It fits you better. And give up what you're clinging to. Is it your health? Is it your money? I cannot give the first 10% because then I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay for kids' sports and fill up the grocery the way I want with the choicest meats and all of those things. Like, what is it? that you cling to the most. For the rich young ruler, it was sell everything and give to the poor. What is it for you? What is Jesus looking at you intently and saying, yeah, I've been throwing around that number in your head and you've been like Anna and you've been like, no, 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 that's okay, we'll just wait and see. Maybe we can talk him down and just play the stewardship card, (laughs) right? I've done that before. No, number three, release what you cling to the most. Matthew 19, 21 says, Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven, that legacy. Then come follow me. He doesn't even want you to follow him unless you're going to give him what he's pointing out at you today. I'm not just talking a dollar amount. Don't don't hear that. Yes, we're focusing on that today. It's Legacy Sunday. One time a year we do this. But what is it that he's pointing out to you? Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has given us a solution to all these problems we've talked about today. All the tension, all the struggle, all the white knuckling through it, trying to do it on our own, all the things we can't release or the walls around us or the the things that tie us down and the chains that lock us up. He has a solution and it's generosity And it's giving surrender. It's surrendering to him. We have to trust his math. Less is more. The greatest is the least and the least is the greatest. His math works both ways. The last shall be first. Do the thing that's hardest to do. Give the thing that's hardest to surrender. For some of you, it's lifestyle choices. For some of you, it's addiction struggles. For some of you, it's the dollar amount that he's laying on your heart or the percentage of your regular paycheck that he's given or the one-time gift that he wants you to give today. Matthew 19, 27 through 30, Peter said, we've given up everything, so what will we get? Again, missed the point, Peter, but Jesus said, Jesus said, anyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return. Think about the best thing in your life. I get so much delight and joy from my children. The best thing in your life. He says, if you're willing to give up the best, if you're willing to give up the hardest thing to give, he gives you a hundred times how best that already is for you. He'll give it back to you a hundred. Like I would literally explode, like combust, if I had a hundred times the amount of delight that I get just from my children right now. And he says he has that to pour onto us. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be greatest then. So how do we do this practically? Budget 2024 around God. I wanna challenge you. If you don't budget, budget. 
If you need help on budget, what in the world is that? Where do you start? Come talk to us. We want to let you, we want to help you. There's an app called Every Dollar. Highly recommend. Helps you figure it out. But also let us walk with you. We like to do it. We nerd out a little bit over budgeting stuff. It's kind of fun for us. So let us help people here who are also, you know, if you're not comfortable with us for whatever reason, we can hook you up with someone who is and who's good at it and who loves to help people in this. We have people that are gifted in that. Let them work in their gifts and help you. But budget your 2024 around God. What would it look like? If actually my pocketbook and my checkbook and my accounts were all based around God. Like I've given him like, you know, I don't worry about my health. I know God's got it. I know he's a God who heals or he's got a plan through it. I give him my family. I know he's going to bring them through what's going on. I know he's going to bring us through the hard times. I, I've given him those things. Have you given him the checkbook? Have you given him the bank accounts? What would it look like if you budgeted your 2024 around God? Test him. His words, not mine. Test him. 10% first. If you want to, we have a 90-day giving challenge. Commit to 90 days of giving that first 10%. And if you don't see God's blessing in your life, we will give it back to you. Test him. If God's willing to say test him in it, we're willing to say it and back him up. Practice the spiritual discipline of giving throughout the year. Giving is both a feeling we get from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says like today, what we've been asking you to do all month, just pray and ask God what He wants you to give in this legacy offering. We believe we're called to it as a church. Our goal is not a number amount. Yes, there is a number amount we would like to give away, but that's not the main goal. The main goal is 100% participation. I don't care if you write down one penny. I want you to grab this card on your seat or the seat next to you and write down one penny. If that's all God's telling you to do, that is good for me. All I want is for you to obey what God's telling you to do. But our goal isn't a number amount, it's a participation goal. We want 100% participation. Start looking at this because we're getting there. Start looking at this. So the Holy Spirit's going to tell you today a number. I want you to press in Jesus looking at you intently and saying, this is the one with me. You can do it. If you're going to budget around me, if you're going to base your life around me, with me, you can do it. And I don't care how old you are. I started doing this when I was like, I don't know, three. Whenever I got my first birthday card with a $5 bill in it, I gave, what, 50 cents? Is that 10%? I gave 50 cents to church. My son just made, we had a little goal meter on how much we wanted uh, in our emergency fund and we just got to fill it up. (laughs) And so my son made some what he wanted to give to church and then what he's saving for a car when he turns 16. And I've been meaning to tell you, Zay, we wanna get those on the fridge. So look them up so we can get them on the fridge. What he want, but he came up with what he wants to give to a church. He made little ninja stars, sold them for 25 cents, origami ninja stars, sold them for 25 cents at school and gave all of it to church. I don't think that's what he was planning on doing. I think he wanted to save it and buy something. But then when I asked him what he was planning on doing with it, he decided he wanted to give it to church. Jesus watched in the temple one day all of these wealthy, rich, religious people giving huge, extravagant looking offerings. And then he watched a impoverished widow give the last two pennies she had. And he looked at his disciples. He's like, oh, another teaching moment. He's like, she's given more than anyone. They're like, what are you talking about? He said, she gave out of her lack. They gave out of their much. They gave out of their abundance. That's not what's hard. That's not what makes people turn away and walk away sad. She gave out of her little. And you know, if Jesus noticed it enough for a teaching moment, you know he opened the floodgates over her like the second later, right? He took care of her. 
give what God is telling you to give today. That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, but it's also a spiritual discipline. It's a throughout the year. That's why on this legacy card, we have options. You could do one or the other or both. You can give a one-time gift today towards legacy, or you can just between you and God, there's no name on here. You don't have to put your name. This is anonymous. This is between you and God. But it's something we've been talking a lot about having an embodied spirituality that we use our body also as worship to God. So we want you to use something physical. Jesus came physically. We want you to use something physical to make this commitment between you and God. And you can either just give a one-time gift today if that's what the Lord's telling you to do. I'm saying one cent to $100 to $100 million, you know, whatever the Lord has for us today, right? Or you can commit to giving proportionately throughout the year. We are doing a percentage of every paycheck is what we believe God's told us to do. And we're going to give a percentage above our 10% tithe. We're going to give a percentage to legacy specifically. So we'll always have a tithe amount. We'll always have a legacy amount. We give with every paycheck. That's what our family's doing. And then pray for us as we do 15% for retirement. <laughs> That's our next big goal. But you can commit whatever it is the Lord's telling you. There's options here. Or if it's something different he's telling you to do, just scratch it all out and write that. Whatever the Lord says today. 100% of what's given to legacy goes towards ministry work. It doesn't go to pay the bills. It doesn't go to pay the salary. That stuff comes out of a portion of tithe. But what everything that goes to legacy, and if you want more, there's information here. There's information on our website. There's information right outside this door on the wall on who we give to, what we give to, what ministries and what they do so that you can look into that. But it all goes to ministry, to ministering to our community, to our church, to our nation, to the world. We wanna cover all the bases. He said, go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, hometown in Samaria next door into the ends of the earth. And we wanna do all of that. So give today as the Holy Spirit leads. And we also have, because this is not about a dollar amount. It's about participation. It's about surrendering to God. It's about obeying Him. And I know there are some of you today who even more than whatever dollar amount He's leaving on your heart, there's something else in your life, a lifestyle choice, an idol of some kind, something that you give more to or you put up above God. There's some struggle, there's some chain, there's some jail you're in, something you just can't kick. And Jesus is looking at you intently and the Holy Spirit's putting that finger on your heart and says, that's what I want you to give. We're gonna have our prayer teams in the back today. And I'm telling you, there's not a single one of us in here who has 100% given it all to God. We're all working on it, right? So there's nothing to be ashamed of. It is giving yourself as a living sacrifice to walk to the back and pray. Or maybe you're praying on behalf of someone else. That's always an option. But there are things that I want you to hear, the main thing from the Holy Spirit today is with God, you can live the impossible. Whatever is scary, with God, you can live the impossible. Why does it matter? We love because He first loved us. We give because God so loved us that He gave His life for us. And we make a difference in legacy because of the difference He's made in our lives. So before we bring our cards, before we bring our offerings, before we go to the prayer team, I want everyone to do this as a participation goal again. Imagine this with me. Imagine that as soon as people turn on this road and see our property, they sense a spirit of belonging, the warmth of the Holy Spirit, the minute they see the property because of the excellence we're able to put into caring for our facilities and the priority, as much as the priority God put into the beauty of the Old Testament tabernacle and the temple. Imagine that this is vision. And you know, as I was praying today, the gap between what we do as a church right now 
And the vision God is calling us to is this legacy offering right here. That's the difference between the vision God's calling us to do and where we're at is whatever it is God's calling you to surrender in your life or give in whatever way today. Imagine our church has a counseling ministry that focuses on helping addicted people in our community and people experiencing homelessness. Two of the biggest struggles in this community that are really under-supported. There are not resources for them. Imagine that we can say yes to every single benevolence request that comes in. Some of you have been able to receive from benevolence from our church. And today God's calling you to give back into that, to help others, to pass it on. Imagine that we can train people how to budget better or in job skills or whatever it looks like. Imagine that we see rural churches across our nation exploding in real Christ-like community. That's not just about the big city churches anymore, but we see that happening and rural churches rising up as an example of real, authentic, Christ-like community. Imagine that we see church plants succeeding across America instead of the 97% that fail, that we would see them succeed, that we would change the trajectory of our nation's rate of Christians decreasing into increasing, that we would join those countries, those Latin American countries, China and African countries that are seeing skyrocketing rates of conversion to followers of Jesus while we are plummeting, plummeting. Less than 4% of the next generation expected to be Jesus followers. Nominal Christians, expected to be nominal Christians only, not even the ones who are really following Jesus in America, and that's plummeting. Imagine we see that change because of church plants across America. Imagine our Surrender Lives ministry, the children's home we support in Mexico, is able to hire the best staff so they have the least turnover, so they have the most secure home environment for kids who have been tossed around and abandoned and betrayed and left out with the trash. And that now they have people like a family for them, all up on their ginormous sectional couch with them there all the time, loving on them. Imagine that they can complete their building project super quickly, enable more and more missions trips because of the giving that comes through this church. Imagine there's no more need for the back-breaking trips across the continent that they go through to have to load and unload trucks and try to scramble to find people to help them and get back surgery over it, that they don't have to do that anymore because of the giving through legacy. They don't have to go on that fundraising anymore because we're a people already called to give what God's laid on our heart. They don't have to try and ask for money because God's asking us. Imagine that Victory Faith is the place to be for kids and teenagers and families across our area. Imagine that your kids and your grandkids and your neighbors and your classmates in school love being here and love inviting their friends. Can you imagine that? Kids continuing, we already have this, but it would just continue to ask their parents every Sunday, do I get to go back to church again today? When I pass the church, hey, I have friends there. When are we going back? Can we go back to church, mom? It was great. Imagine that that is the norm, that we see suicide rates among young people plummet in this area that people come to Lee County, Des Moines County, Southeast Iowa, like, what are you guys doing? Because no one here commits suicide like they're doing everywhere else. What is going on? And we're able to say it's a revival in the schools and the families. It's a revival in our community that we would see schools on fire. Just imagine a church like that. God gives us money as a tool. It's not about the number. It's not about the percentage. It's about what God's given you and what he's asking you to give. Matthew 5:48. in a word, what I'm saying 
is grow up. Your kingdom subjects now live like it. Live like you are a child of the Most High God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and is always faithful. Act like He means it when He says, whatever you give will be given back to you a hundred times. Live like it. You are kingdom subjects. Live out your God-created identity, not your insecure thoughts, not your arrogant thoughts on how you think you can do it better than what God says not the identity the world has thrown on you. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. We love because God first loved us. We give because God first gave His life. We make a difference because of the difference He's already made in our lives. It sounds impossible, but with God, you can live the impossible. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the kingdom identity that you have given us. Thank you that you're calling us to surrender, whatever it is, whether it's a number or not a number, how high or low the number is, that doesn't matter. It's what have you given me? What are you calling me to give? Are we turning our eyes away sadly from the Jesus who looks intently at us, from the spirit who kindly points a finger at our heart and tells us what it is that we need to give to be closer to him to have that legacy that eternal inheritance what is it we ask that we respond to you today with every head bowed and every eye closed if you today want to just start a relationship with Jesus that relationship hasn't started or maybe you tried a long time ago and it's been a long time since you've walked with him at all if that's you today again we believed in embodied spirituality here that it's our spirit, our mind, our soul, our body, all connected in how we worship God. If that's you today, I'm going to give you the opportunity not to jump up and down like a crazy person, but just to raise your hand. I mean, if you want to jump up and down, we want that too because we celebrate with you. But just raise your hand if that's you today on the count of three. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and have him forgive you of your sins. One, two, three. That's me. Hands up now. Thank you. If everyone as an act of rededication and sacrificial worship to God, repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry for the wrong I've done. I'm sorry for the hurt I've caused. Today I give my life to you. I'm turning around. I'm walking in a new direction. Take everything I have. It's yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate with those who gave their lives to the Lord today? And if that's you, whether you raised your hand or you made the decision in your heart, I want you to take that connection card that you were given on your way in or go to the hub afterward and make sure we know, make sure we can get you that Bible. This is just the first step. And what we're going to do next, get your cards. God's been telling you what to write down. What we're going to do is we're going to take our legacy offering. We're going to do it a little different. Normally I just say, hey, drop it in the box on your way out. You can do that. But what I really want you to do as an act of our embodied spirituality, take this physical card, physically write down what it is God's telling you to do, whatever that looks like. We're about to sing gratitude because we cannot be generous unless we're grateful for what God has already done to us. And as we sing and worship, I want you to offer your body as a living sacrifice by walking up. I'm not saying throw yourself on an altar and set yourself on fire. Walk up here, lay your legacy card down. Your name's not on it. No one's gonna know what you give or don't give. 
Obey the Lord today. Risk obedience over disobedience. Go to the back and pray with someone. What do you need to release? What is our gratitude level? What is our generosity level between you and God today? We're gonna take this time as we worship, surrender with the legacy card, surrender with the prayer team. And let's be grateful for what he's done today.